In the last episode, we talked about this little town called Windsor in North Carolina. In the Low grocery store, where six workers were taking care of closing shift tasks on Sunday, June 6, 1993. They just were unaware of the seventh person, a stranger that was observing them from a hiding place, waiting for the right moment to strike. So despite the fact that there were three times more people in the store than expected, the man eventually decided to act. The store manager, Cecil, was still making his checks around the store, and Joyce was all alone in the front. It was her who the stranger first pointed at with his pistol. But this person didn't shout or move rapidly. Instead, the stranger calmly and clearly, telling Joyce not to panic and summon the manager. His every moment was smooth and carefully considered. This man had not come for just a rushed robbery of a small-town grocery store. He was taking his time. Soon, Cecil returned to the front of the store and was ordered into the cash office with Joyce. There, he opened the safe while the stranger pressed the gun to his back and took out cash and money orders, worth a total of $3,000, around $6,100 today. Cecil placed the contents of the safe in a canvas bag and handed it over to the stranger, hoping he would take it and leave without anyone getting hurt. The man got what he came for, so surely he would now just make his escape. But as if it would soon be clear, this person was far from done. So the gunman marched Cecil and Joyce from the office to the back of the store, where the cleaning crew was preparing the floor for waxing, unaware of the ongoing robbery. Jasper Hardy was sweeping the 12,000 square foot floor, thinking that although it would take a long time to clean, strip, and wax all of it, the job was easy and straightforward. There should not have been any surprises. It was then that Jasper turned around and saw Cecil and Joyce walking towards him, looking like they had seen a ghost. And behind them walked a man Jasper didn't recognize. Because the stranger didn't wear a mask, Jasper couldn't immediately tell what was going on. But as the trio got closer, he saw the gun. Before Jasper had time to say anything, Cecil calmly asked him to do whatever the stranger said. So the man and the three employees continued toward the rear of the store, walking past a section of pet supplies. This was something the stranger had planned beforehand while observing the store earlier. During a brief stop, he grabbed several dog leashes from the rack before ordering the group to continue their march. Eventually, two more members of the cleaning crew were forced to join them, but the gunmen knew one was still missing. Instead of just walking around the store trying to find him, the stranger ordered Jasper to summon the final worker before leading all six hostages to the butcher room. On the way, the gunman suddenly said something strange, Apparently, he was a former cop who had been fired for one reason or another. And because of that, the man said he had nothing left to lose. The six workers, of course, had no way of knowing if the stranger was telling the truth or not. But nevertheless, the statement guaranteed 
that they didn't dare to try to overpower him. Once they stopped, the man handed over a roll of duct tape and the leashes over to his hostages and ordered them to bind each other before taking care of the last person himself. While doing so, the stranger said something, just one sentence, that was enough to make everyone's blood run cold. I do not want to have to kill anybody. Despite the fact this guy had been pointing a gun at them the whole time, he had never actually threatened anyone's life. So Cecil, Joyce, and the members of the cleaning crew had thought that if they just followed every order and didn't oppose the stranger, he would simply tie them up and leave. The man already got the money and just needed to ensure he had enough time to escape before authorities were alerted. At no point did the workers pose any risk to this person. All he needed to do was walk out of the door. Although the situation was frightening, everyone had been sure they were going to get through it. Until the stranger said that one sentence and shifted the mood in the room. And then the gunman gave a strange order. He told the hostages to get on the floor and lay one on top of another in three stacks, so two people in each. Cecil, Joyce, and Johnny were the ones on top. The formation likely made very little sense to the workers, who just hoped they would finally hear the stranger walking away. But instead, the reason for stacking became horrifying clear when the man raised his gun and said, I hope God forgives me for what I'm about to do. The workers didn't have enough time to react before the first shot rang out. It was instantly followed by two more, one for each stack. The stranger had only three bullets, and this was his way of trying to make them sufficient for killing six people. But when the man put his gun away and checked the bodies, he noticed that two of the hostages, Jasper and Thomas Hardy, were unharmed. The bullets had not traveled through the person on top of them. While Jasper and Thomas tried to lay as still as possible, the man got up and walked away. But instead of leaving as the brothers hoped, the stranger returned with a knife from the meat-cutting room and asked the Hardys if they would identify him to the police. Thomas replied first, swearing to the stranger they would not do such a thing. Unfortunately, the answer didn't have the desired effect. All of a sudden, the stranger, who had been talking so calmly to his hostages and showed little emotion, now screamed, I don't believe you, before slashing Thomas's throat. That alone was not enough to calm the man's anger, who continued to stab Thomas again and again with such force the knife handle eventually broke and the blade was left embedded in his back. While Jasper fortunately didn't see what was happening, he heard the struggle. Once the stranger was finally satisfied Thomas was dying, he turned to Jasper and asked again, Will you identify me? The cleaning crew member was sure it didn't matter what he said, he would die anyway. Still, Jasper replied, no, man, I don't know you. During the next few seconds, Jasper prepared himself for what was about to come. But whatever he thought was going to happen, 
he didn't expect to hear the words, Okay, man, I'll let you live. Just like that, it was over. This guy, who had gone to great lengths to get rid of all the witnesses, decided it was fine to leave one of the hostages alive after all. He then picked up the bag of money, the broken knife handle, and Cecil's keys before walking away and exiting the store. Outside, the people of Windsor were enjoying the warm evening, unaware of the horrors that would soon shock the community to its core. Back inside the Below grocery store, Jasper was still tightly tied up and unable to move, but he wasn't the only one alive. Tony Welch was seriously injured from a bullet that hit him through the person on top of him. But thanks to all the blood, the duct tape around his wrist had begun to lose grip. Despite the unimaginable agony, Thomas was eventually able to free himself and crawl all the way to the front of the store, leaving behind bloody trails on the floor. He then grabbed the phone and dialed 911. It didn't take long for the Windsor police to arrive at the scene. From the outside, nothing seemed out of the ordinary at the below store. The workers' cars were still in the parking lot, and the door was locked. But once they tried to call the store's number, nobody answered. So eventually, the officers forced their way in, and found themselves in deadly silence. The only sound inside the store was the hum of the cooler compressors in the background. Soon they discovered Tony, who was lying on the floor at the front of the store, bleeding heavily. While paramedics took care of him, the police followed the trail of blood to the back butcher room, where they found such a gruesome scene that officers in Windsor rarely witnessed anything like it. Joyce Reason and Grover Cecil were dead. Both of them had been shot in the head. Johnny Rankins was also pronounced dead at the scene. He had suffered a gunshot to his back. But against all odds, Thomas Hardy was still alive and was taken to Pitt Memorial Hospital in Greenville with Tony Welch. As we deep dive into these chilling tales, we all need a moment of escape, a way to unwind without the shadow of the night creeping in. Here's where Recess Mood comes in. Crafted with real fruit and infused with mood-lifting magnesium and stress-balancing aptogens, Recess Mood is your guilt-free retreat. With just 20 calories, no added sugar, it's not just a sparkling water, it's a sanctuary and a can. Imagine unwinding during a gripping episode of Foul Play with a can of strawberry rose, or my favorite, raspberry lemon. Letting the stress melt away without the aftermath of alcohol. It's my little secret to staying balanced in the chaos of a busy life. You deserve a healthier way to unwind, to recharge, and to prepare for the next journey into the unknown with foul play. And for the devoted foul play listeners, you deserve a healthier way to unwind. Head to takearecess.com shane to get 15% off recess mood your go-to alcohol replacement. Both men fought vigorously for their lives and eventually recovered from their injuries. Then there was Jasper Hardy, 
the only person who walked out of the situation, not just alive, but totally unharmed physically. It was a miracle, and at the same time, Jasper's fate made everyone question why the perpetrator had attempted to kill six people in the first place if he wasn't going to finish the job. It didn't make any sense if the whole point was to get rid of witnesses. However, as time will tell, the investigation into the case was not going to be easy, despite the fact there were three people who had seen the face of the killer. From the crime scene, the police recovered cartridge casings, shoe prints, and fingerprints. Although the shocking attack took place in a grocery store that was full of prints of countless people, the fingerprint was luckily found on the duct tape, and it was confirmed that it did not belong to any of the victims. And that was not all. The investigators also discovered unknown DNA, suggesting the killer had cut himself while stabbing Thomas. After all, the handle was broken. Somehow, this guy had been both organized and careless at the same time. After checking the office, the police were puzzled by the fact that the killer had taken all the money from the safe, managed to tie all the victims, and still attempted to kill everyone. If his motive had simply been a robbery, why had he felt a need to slaughter six people who had followed his every order? Perhaps it was because the killer had entered the store without a mask and didn't put one on before emerging from his hiding spot. The plan may have included getting rid of the witnesses from the start, but then again, letting Jasper live didn't fit that theory. While the investigators examined the crime scene and tried to make sense of what happened, a white sedan with Maryland plates was spotted speeding out of town with two men inside. And that is where we will end this second episode. Straight from the start, the Below Grocery Store Massacre baffled the Windsor Police, and the subsequent investigation only seemed to produce more questions rather than answers. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.